Why did Jesus become a man? Here's point number one. Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies in the Old Testament. To satisfy the uh, prophecies in the Old Testament. I've talked about this many times before. And a lot of people don't understand it really. In fact, there's a lot of people that say the New Testament is the, like the most important. The Old Testament is, is, is past history. No, the Old Testament is probably more relevant than you think than the New Testament is. They're all relevant. Both of them are relevant. Jesus made sure that the Old Testament was, uh, was definitely preached, taught, and shared among the world. It was so important, and Jesus made sure of that. And we're going to see that this morning. Before Jesus was even born, there were many prophecies written about Him for all of us. Centuries of books, of scriptures that have been recorded or written down for our benefit and revelation of who God is. We are talking hundreds of years. I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about hundreds of years, listen, before Jesus even came Physically to this earth. Before he came. We are talking hundreds of years before he came. These scriptures foretold that he, Messiah, Jesus Christ, was going to come. In fact, Jesus himself taught this to his disciples. He did. Let's read it. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Listen to it. Luke 24, 44. He says, Now he, Jesus, he being Jesus, said to them, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Look at this. Isn't this a wonderful thing? Look at this. Jesus is verifying the scripture of the Old Testament. Is the scripture, is the Bible reliable? Absolutely. Why? Why do we know it's reliable? If you believe Jesus, you've got to believe everything he says. Amen? And he says the Old Testament. Hey, listen. Listen, I want to open your minds to what the Old Testament law and the prophets have to say. And that's what he does. If you remember, Jesus came not to what? Abolish the law, but to do what? Fulfill the law. Did he not fulfill the law? Absolutely he fulfilled the law. Remember the two men on the road to Emmaus? Man, I love this. Jesus... Get this, Jesus is crucified, he's raised from the dead. All of a sudden he appears, resurrected, and he appears for 40 days. He's walking around, he's appearing to his disciples, he's appearing to people all over, and there are these two dudes that are walking down this dusty road. And they're talking about all the events that took place of Jesus being crucified and dying and being buried and all this kind of stuff. They're thinking about probably even the, even the prophetic words that he, Jesus himself even said, that in three days I would rise again. They're talking about all these things. And guess who shows up with these two guys? Jesus just shows up. He just shows up. And they don't even recognize who he is. Because he's in a glorified state. Listen, he can, he can do that, you know, and we're going to be like that one day. And so here he is walking, tooling down the road with these two guys as they're discussing about all the events that took place. And here they're talking about all kinds of things. And then they get down the road and they decide to sit down and and have us have breakfast with him. And listen, and he says in Luke 24, verse 25, this is, and he said to them, because they, they were, he, they weren't, they were doubting. They were doubting about everything. They saw their savior die on the cross. And this is where their position was. And then Jesus comes along, he says, and he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all 
Listen, the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Is the Old Testament important here? Absolutely important. Jesus is expounding the Old Testament, starting with Moses all the way through the prophets and the minor prophets and major prophets, the book of Psalms, Ecclesiastes, all those things. He's explaining to them. He's helping them to understand what the Old Testament talked about. It's so wonderful. Scripture's foretelling of the very events that these two men have experienced that whole weekend. That Christ was on the cross. I'm telling you, this is an amazing story. It's amazing. Events that you and I will get to experience. It's going to be unfathomable what we are going to experience. Let's look at the book of Isaiah. It was written, get this now, it was written 740 years before Jesus came on the scene. 740 B.C. is when this book was written. So about 740 years B.C., the book of Isaiah. These guys knew that Jesus would be born a virgin. You hear me? They knew he would be born a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14 said it. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name, what? Emmanuel. That is God with us. Amen? And he's with us now. He's with us this very moment. He's with us. We know that the teenager Mary, listen, was a virgin. Chosen by God to usher in the Savior of all mankind, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We even knew where the Messiah would be born. 700 years before Christ, we knew where he would be born. Look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah 5, verse 2. Listen to what it says. You might just write it down. It's up on the screen for you. Micah 5, 2 says, But as for you, Bethlehem Epaphrath, listen, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, listen, one will go forth for me to be the ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity, before the foundation of the world. And when the Bible talks about before the foundation of the world, it's talking about eternity. It's before time and space. At the very beginning, time and space for us, it started in the garden. We're talking about this is long before he created anything. Long before. God is saying this right here. He said this was known before time and space. Listen, we also heard of things that would happen because of his birth. Because of a birth, certain things would happen. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, listen to this. He says, thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Hear me. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And you look and say, Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. Did you know that? In the Old Testament, she died giving birth to who? To Benjamin in Genesis 35, 18. Listen, she is also referred to as the mother of all ten northern tribes of Israel since her descendants Ephraim and Manasseh were heads of the two leading tribes in that region. Listen, you may think how odd to choose this scripture in reference to the Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. Seems kind of odd. But let's just see how relevant this prophecy is to our narrative of the life of Jesus Christ. If you remember approximately two years beyond the birth of Jesus, 
there were these wise men, these magi, right, coming from far away. It took them a ways to get there following their brilliant star which rested upon Bethlehem. That's why our, our manger scenes are not quite accurate because if the kings are there, they weren't there until Jesus was a toddler. So I hate to ruin and burst that bubble for you, but it is. This is true. So they came. So they took them a ways to get there. So then they followed the brilliant star which rested upon Bethlehem where Jesus was. They stopped and visited Herod the Great as they came into Jerusalem to ask him about the birth of the Messiah. Herod asked the Magi to come back to him once they found the child so he could go and do what? Worship him. That's what Herod said, to worship him. But we know that Herod had an evil heart. He had an evil, wicked heart. We know that through history. He had so many different people killed. His own family members killed. He was evil and he was wicked. But here's what happened. But the Magi did not return to tell him when they found him. Is that not a divine moment? It is. They just went home. <laughs> and they bypassed King Herod. Look at Matthew 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 16. Through 18, it says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, it says, He became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi, uh, Magi's appearance. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet, which we just read, was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because there they were no more. So see here, a direct line is running from where? From this New Testament directly back to Jeremiah. A direct line, a prophecy that it was fulfilled. How could anybody know that this would happen? I'm telling you, these prophecies are amazing. Connecting the dots of prophecy from last to present at the time of Jesus. So Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies, right? In the Old Testament. Listen, there were over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament written about the coming of Messiah. It was a fact. And there was a mathematician that calculated this. He said, you know what the chances of them coming all being fulfilled was like 1 in 83 billion. 1 in 83 billion. That's amazing. Listen, the second thing we looked at, number two that we look at is, listen, Jesus became a man to show us the Father. He came to show us the Father. Jesus was sent to do what his Father asked him to do, his will. Which means that Jesus and God, listen to this, are co-equals. You hear me? They're co-equals. One and the same, yet in different, separate persons. Don't ask me how that works. Only God knows. But it works. I'm thankful, right? So you think about this. John 1, in John 1, 1, 2, he said, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, right, the Father. And the Word was God. And it says, He, Jesus, and, and He was in Jesus, right? Bringing, uh, bringing with God. Beginning with God. God was in the world and became, listen, and became, listen, in his tent, his skin, he dwelt among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. What an amazing thing. 
In fact, that means they're co-equal. Listen to what Jesus said, though. In John 14, 7, he says, if you have known me, he said, you would have known my father also. He said, from now on, you know him and you have what? Seen him. So so now the next verse is, it shares Philip's thoughts. One of the disciples, Philip's, right about this. John 14, 8, 9, he says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. And Jesus, I can imagine shaking his head, said to him, have I been with you so long, right? Been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen, and here's a plainly draw the picture out. You got to draw it out. Get this picture. If you have seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is an important principle for all of us to understand. Jesus, once again, has to plainly tell his disciples that he and the Father are one. Here we have Jesus as God in the body. Amen? He has flesh and blood as we do, yet he was still God. How amazing. He is telling Philip here, if you want to know God, then what he is, he, he is like, he, he looks just like me. That's what he's really saying. He said, he is, listen, he is telling Philip, he says, he is like, he like, just, just, just like me. We are one and the same is what Jesus is saying. The Father is in him and he is in the Father. This is why Jesus makes the statement, if you want to become a Christian in John 14, 6. He says, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He said, no man comes to the Father, but who? By Jesus Christ. That's the only way he comes. It's very exclusive. Right? There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to God. There's only one way to the King of Kings. There's only one way to Jesus, and you've got to go through Jesus to get there. And listen, and the world hates this message. The world doesn't agree with this message. They think there's many roads that lead to heaven, but there isn't. There's only one way, and Jesus is the way. Never forget that. Never forget that. He is the way. So Jesus came to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. Jesus also became a man to show us the Father, right? Number three, Jesus became a man to save us from our sins. To save us from our sins. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul, he says, I'm the chiefest among all sinners. That's Paul, right? We could probably all say that. Amen? We had to have an unblemished God-man. There had to be an unblemished God-man to save all of us. And that is who Jesus is. He's the God-man. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? A death. The wages for our sin is death. We must die. And God cannot renege on his promises. He cannot renege on his promises, which means he had to die. He sent his only begotten son, the perfect sacrifice for you and I. God himself had to die for you and for me. Think about that for me. That's deep. You hear me? Why? Because we know back in Genesis in the garden that when God created a thing, what did he give man? Dominion over everything. Right? So God took the responsibility and put it on man to have dominion over the world. And what happened? Man sinned. And he said, if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And so God could not lie. 
there was a man that had to die. Who was that man going to be that had to die? He sent his son Jesus to take that death for you and for me. Because God's character is true. This is why the birth and nativity is so powerfully important for us to understand. God's integrity and character on the line here. What he said, he meant what he said. And he says what he means. And he sent his only son to die for you and for me. Very trustworthy statement. Listen, no human on earth could satisfy the penalty of death on earth but Jesus. We're staying. We have no ability to remove sin. None. And God cannot lie. And God's holy. And he is faithful. And he does never go back on his word. He sent his only son to die for you and for me. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is so much scripturally to this. There is so much throughout the scriptures to this. And it's like uh, uh, Pastor David Jeremiah, he said, he put it this way. He says, we have, we had to have a God-man to save us. And because Jesus was God and man, he lifted up one hand and took hold of the Father. And with the other, he reached down and took hold of man. And at the cross, in a moment of time, he brought them all together. He brought us together. And now with his hands reaching out, he offers his salvation to all who will come. That's what Jesus did. The reason Jesus came was to forgive and forget all of our sins. Not some of our sins, all of our sins. Past sins, present sins, future sins. God forgives you. Get over yourself. Some of you think you can't be forgiven for what you've done in your past. You're alive. You're well. Get over yourself. Don't think you're so bad you can't be forgiven. Jesus forgives if you would just give him the opportunity and chance to forgive you. He's already forgiven you. He was crucified 2,000 years ago with all your sin on his body 2,000 years ago. He's not crucified over and over again. One time for all time. That's Jesus that we have served. This is the nativity, folks. This is Christmas. This is what we're talking about this morning. And it's wonderful. Number four. You know, Jesus came to satisfy, to show us the Father, to save us from our sins. And number four, Jesus became a man. Listen to this. I love this. To sympathize with our weaknesses. He sympathizes with you. He sympathizes with me and our weaknesses. He knows we're weak. What did he tell his disciples that fell asleep in the garden? What did he tell them? You couldn't even stay awake for one stinking hour. He didn't say stinking them. But he'd say, I would say that. Come on, guys. What's up with you? What's wrong with you? Can't you stay awake for one hour? We ate too much at the Last Supper. I understand. I get it. But no, but they couldn't stay awake for one hour. And then the statement, the, what? The flesh is willing. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's right. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's what we have here. In Hebrews chapter 4, listen how he sympathized with us. Verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest, which Jesus is our high priest. There is only one high priest. And it's Jesus Christ. No other. He's the mediator between God and man. Christ Jesus. He's our high priest. We cannot, listen, who cannot sympathize with our, with our, who, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet he alone was without sin. Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive what? Mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. 
Grace, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. Nothing you can do. He gives it to you free, free for the asking. It's amazing. Jesus came the way he did to experience the humanness of the flesh, to know what temptations felt like, to experience our joys, experience our happinesses, our successes, but also, most importantly, our hurts and our pains and our tears and the sorrow and the death. He experienced all those things just like you and I do. He knows what we go through. And even more so, for he alone experienced aloneness like you and I will never experience with Christ. We'll never be as alone as Christ was when he was hanging on a cross with all of your sin in mind. In fact, listen to this story here. I thought this was a very intriguing story. Dr. Maxwell Maltz is a plastic surgeon. He tells of a man who had been injured attempting to save his parents in a terrible fire. His elderly parents died in that fire. And he was burned over a great part of his body. His face badly disfigured. He mistakenly interpreted, listen, what had happened to him as some sort of punishment from God for not having gotten his parents out safely. In his anguish, he refused to let anyone see him, not even his wife. So she went to see Dr. Maltz for help. He said, he said, I can fix him. I can fix him. But she knew her husband would turn down any offer of plastic surgery. When she visited him again, he asked why she had come. And she said, I want you, doctor, to disfigure my face so that I can be like him. If I can share in his pain, then maybe he will let me back in his life. Hmm. Maltz wrote, he said, I had never heard anything like that in my life. I had always been paid to help people look better. She wanted me to make her look like her husband. He wouldn't do it, but he decided to go and tell her husband what she had said. He knocked on the man's door and said loudly, I am a plastic surgeon and I want you to know that I can restore your face. There was no response. Please come out, he said. Again, no answer. Still speaking through the door, Dr. Maltz told the man of his wife's proposal. She wants me to disfigure her face, to make her face like yours in the hope that you will let her back into your life. That's how much she loves you. There was a brief moment of silence. And then ever so slowly, the doorknob began to turn. Listen, folks. The way that woman felt about her husband is the way that God feels about all of us. Listen, he took our face and our disfigurement. Don't think you can't ever be saved. He takes all the ugly parts of your life and he can make them brand new. And you might not forget them, but you can always have them as a reminder of where God brought you from. Because God brings us all from all kinds of skeletons in all of our closets over time. Amen? And he renews our spirit. He renews our life. He saves our life. He redecorates our life from the inside out. He became a man so God would become, listen to this, touchable, right? Just use your three spaces. Touchable, approachable, and reachable. 
That's the God we serve. He's touchable, approachable, and reachable. He is Emmanuel, which is God with us. Amen? That's so good. Whatever you have been through, you can be sure that God has been, listen, all the way to the end of that road. Hear me. Jesus knows every hurt. Jesus knows every, listen, hang up and every habit, Sheila and Tom, for you guys. Listen, every habit that you will ever have or will have ever in your life. He knows everything about you. And when you talk to him humbly in prayer, listen to this. He will embrace you with his love and say, I have been there and experienced that. And he says this, I understand. Jesus understands what you've been through like no other person. And lastly this morning, number five, Jesus became a man to secure our hope in heaven. Amen? He secures our hope. Secure, which means when you're secure, it's secure. When it's locked tight and it's sealed, it's sealed up this once and for all time, for all eternity. When you're sealed, when you're saved, it comes in one time and for all. You get saved once and for all time. You can't lose it. Why? Because you didn't save yourself. Jesus saved you. If he saved you, he's going to keep you. If he saved you, he keeps you. He seals you until your last breath and you stand in his presence. If you really trust Jesus as your Savior. You see, Jesus came down so that you could go up. Amen? Amen. Listen, last week I had a couple of folks that were, uh, fellas were putting in my kitchen cabinets. I had a discussion with one young man. His name was Jeff. And we were talking out there. He was sawing away. And he told me he wasn't a religious man. (laughs) Well, I told him, I said, that's an interesting thing you say there. I said, you know why? And he knows I'm a pastor. I said, I'm not a religious man either. (laughs) He said, what? (laughs) I said, no, man. I said, no. I said, Jesus came to me. And Jesus will come to you. And Jesus will touch your heart. And he will woo you to himself. Listen, so many people in our world get it all wrong. This is what I wanted to share with you guys. In fact, I want to share this scripture first. Listen to this. Colossians 1.27 says this, To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is most of us unless you're a Jew in here, which is Christ in you, Underscore that in you, the hope of glory. It's about Christ in you, the hope of all glory. It's all Christ until Jesus comes into your heart of a person. That person is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Until Jesus comes into your heart, you cannot get to heaven. Jesus has to come into your heart. And this is where I wanted to kind of show this to you. I did this back when I first came. I haven't done it since. This is my Christmas ladder. Do you notice? This is my Christmas ladder. This is why I call it the Christmas ladder. Because there's a lot of people who celebrate Christmas, right? And maybe some of us here. We think that, that listen, and for us to be with Jesus, right? To be in heaven. To go to heaven. And some of you might think this. Well, I hope you don't. But I, hope, but, but I just want to explain to you. This is not how you get to heaven. Some people say, I talked to them about, are you going to go to heaven? Oh, yeah. Why? Because I'm a good person. 
So this is what they're doing. They're climbing up this ladder to get to heaven. I'm a good person. Man. I don't cuss, but every now and then, guess what? They just fell off the ladder. Right? And so some of these guys will realize that they fell off the ladder, right? Right? Well, listen, I give, I give money to charity. I go to church. I don't drink. Right? Then all of a sudden they take a drink. Guess what happens? They go on back down. And this is the way they live their life. All of their life, they live their life like this. Then they got to start over again. They got to start over again. Okay, 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 God. Help me here, God. Help me. Okay, okay. I'm a good person. I don't cuss anymore. I don't drink, right? And they're trying to get up this ladder, right? I treat everybody fairly. Oh, except for I did wrong to my neighbor. And then they fall off the ladder again. Is that you this morning? There's some people that are that way. They think because, listen, they have messed up that they, that they fall off the ladder, the Christmas ladder to heaven. The truth is, get this this morning. When Jesus saved you, you cannot be saved by doing anything. That's why it's grace. That's why it's unmerited. It's his mercy and his grace. He loves you by his grace and mercy. There is nothing, when you receive Christ as Savior, there's nothing that you can do to get interest into heaven. You've got to come to Christ alone, by faith alone. There's no other way. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ and ask him to save your soul. This is what he does is he takes you from here and he takes you all the way to the top. I used to do this right here. <laughs> It's a little higher than five years ago, so <laughs> I want to tell you. And I'm not as steady as I was five years ago, although I'm doing all right. But listen, Jesus takes you from the ground floor to the heavenly floor. And he sits you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're a Christian here today, you are already seated in heavenly places, and the book of Ephesians teaches us that, Right? So listen, quit worrying about whether you're good enough. No, we're not. None of us are good enough. None of us are worthy. None of us. None of us are good enough. This is what's so beautiful about the nativity and what Jesus did for you and for me. Let me get down here. I know I'm making y'all nervous. I know, I know the time that I did it five years ago, I went zip up there and I threw my leg over the top and it didn't move. Everybody was like, ooh. Everybody went, ooh. And I said, you know, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit, right? Amen, right? I thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. But, but I'm telling you, listen, it is so important for us. John 14, 6, Jesus said it again. I am the way. Say it with me. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And what do you come through? You come through the cross. He died on the cross, shed his blood for your sinfulness. He made a way for your life when you had no way out. I had no way out. I was a sinner. I deserved to split hell wide open. I deserved that. I'm ashamed of my past. I'm ashamed of what I was before Jesus came into my heart and life. Listen, I'm not the kind of pastor that got saved at five years old, became a pastor, and I'm good to go. I'm a pastor who didn't get saved when he was 27 years old. And listen, I, I was ashamed of myself, how I lived my life. 
I traveled all over the world flying in the Air Force, following my buddies, doing whatever they did, I did too. And probably then some more. I'm ashamed of that. But God radically changed my life when I was 27, and I thank the Lord for doing that. And now I chase after Jesus. My race is to chase after Jesus. (laughs) My race is to chase after him. It doesn't matter what other people do to me. It doesn't matter what other people say to me. My focus has got to be on him. When I start focusing on what other people say to me and do to me, then my focus is not on him. Listen, do you let God worry about your reputation? Because that's who you got to answer to. Amen? you got to answer to God. I don't have to answer for you. Well, I will. As a pastor, I guess I will. I have to answer because of what I preach from the pulpit. And I don't want to lead nobody astray. Because I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect preacher. I don't perfectly know the word. Every jot and tittle, I try very hard. I work hard during the week to try to understand it better, so I can deliver it better, so you guys can understand it and grasp it better. Because we need to be true blue followers of Jesus Christ through and through. This is why we get saved. Listen, you're not done because your ticket's punched. You're just beginning. You're just starting. The works follow your salvation that you should do to open your mouths, to be part of the live nativity, and do these things, and be at church, and all these things. You will want to do that because you want to get closer to the one who gave his life for you. He came to this world. He was on a mission to seek and what? And to save all of us. Amen? Amen. We're going to have a great Christmas. You hear me? Thank you for being here today. I pray that all of you settled the score in your heart about who Jesus is in your life and that you determine in your heart that you're going to follow Jesus in every way of your life because it matters it matters if you're if you're out of the way of the what jesus wants you to do he calls it what he calls it sin so when you miss the mark when you're not walking in obedience to the lord it's sin and you're going to have a difficult time in your sin until you confess it and repent of it and turn it over to him and make things right with god And let his power give you the answers to your solutions that you need looking for. You need solutions to what you're involved in, what you're in 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 sin. Listen, Jesus will give you the solution every single time. You've got to trust him. And that's what he's wanting us to do with faith. Trust him with all of our heart, right? All of our soul, all of our might, everything that we are, we've got to trust the Lord no matter what. And listen, even when it don't make sense, you trust the Lord. Even when it's difficult, you trust the Lord. Even when you think you can't do it, listen, you can't do it. That's true. Jesus has to do it through you, but you've got to walk in obedience to his word. His word is so important to follow. And when we all do that as the body of Christ and we're walking in his word and when we do these magnificent things like the live nativity and that the power shows up the power shows off and the power goes out because we're all in one mind we're all in one accord we're here to please the savior we're not here to please ourselves we're not here for accolades we're not here for money we're not here for none of that we're here to glorify the one who saved our wretched souls amen amen let's pray lord jesus Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I thank you for the nativity. 
thank you, Lord, that you didn't go back on your promises, Lord. Somebody had to die. And, Lord, you chose to send your son to die. That God would die on a cross for all of us to take care of our sin. What a precious thing. All of our sin. Even the ones we haven't confessed yet. Lord, you've died for all of them. Help us this morning to confess our sins. Help us to trust you with all of our heart. Help us to lean not in our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you, and you will direct our path and make it absolutely straight, laser beam straight, you will make it. If we would just give it to you and surrender to you. Or there are people here that may be uncomfortable right now. That's because God is speaking to your heart. Make it right with God today. Don't put it off. Because it will be harder the next time. Lord, I pray. Somebody inside of my voice. They don't know you as Savior. That they would ask you, Jesus, to come into their heart. And to save their soul. And then they would repent of their sin. Which means they would turn around and stop the sin and turn towards you, Jesus, and chase you down for the rest of their life. If that's you, just tell him. He's listening right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord, come into my heart. Lord, I can't seem to quit doing this one thing. (laughs) I can't quit doing these many things, whatever. Lord, I give it to you today. I really sincerely mean to give it to you today. Lord, help me through this wretched position I'm in where I know I'm not walking in obedience with you. Help me, Lord, to turn around and chase you with all my heart. Thank you, Lord, for touching me today. I want to live for you the best way I know how. Staying close to your word, staying close to God's people who will give us examples of what it means to follow Jesus. And Lord, I want to love you, spend time in your word every day, and pray and talk to you, Lord, like I talk to anybody else. That you would pour into me your word and your Holy Spirit, Lord, would show me the direction. You would rebuke me when I need rebuking. Lord, that you would train me when I need training. That you would affirm my decisions that I do. Holy Spirit, do your perfect work in me. And Lord, we give you praise and glory. If someone prayed to receive Christ this morning, please, please let me know this morning before you leave so I can tell you what to do next. It's so important to know Christ Jesus, your Savior, to know your names in the Lamb's Book of Life can never be erased. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for our time together this morning. We thank you for the nativity, and we thank you for what this week means. I praise you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.